Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Already's Workmanship Podcast. I have Adele on today, along with Logan. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And I'm Todd, the, the host again here. So today we um, are transitioning from the segment we had on prayers that got us through the spiritual change that God was starting in our lives uh, from step six and seven, where he starts changing our and addressing our character defects. And now we kind of transition to a different portion of the steps. So the first few steps are about getting right with God. The next portion of steps is getting right with ourselves so we can be okay just within ourselves. And now we're transitioning into the portion that is about making things right with others. Um, and so step eight, um, the actual step itself is made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Um, and the underlying spiritual verse for that one will be do to others as you would have them do to you. Luke six thirty one. Um, there's two portions to this I'm going to cover. Uh, the first uh, week or two here, we'll talk about uh, making the list of harm we've done to others. Um, and uh, we're going to just change up of the things a little bit. For those people that were like me that went through severe things that were done to us where we were a victim and like had PTSD and all those things that go with that, we uh, are adding a second portion, a portion to the uh, step eight work. And that is making a list of all the people who've harmed us and become willing to forgive them all. Um, really subtle difference there, but for me, it's what changed everything around in my life uh, there. Uh, so we'll have two lists of things with two different action items to do um, that, that help us through everything. So um, I wanted to get uh, Logan and Dell's perspective. I'll start off with Dell first on your perspective on step eight, uh, like having like made a list of people you've harmed and, and what you thought of that. that. Yep. Yep. So uh, it was interesting um, when I first had started out down that path was um, hitting step eight was first of all, I, I he got hit with denial, right? I was like, well, I haven't gone to jail. I haven't hurt anybody. I haven't, you know, and you start to not really truly think too deeply. Um, so, over time, um, you know, so you do your initial amendments where you, you you find the people, apologize, explain to them, you know, that your goals are to be a different person and things like that. I think the interesting fact is that I'm six years into sobriety and I'm still making amends and it can be casual. It was about three weeks ago where you... If you haven't done your amends, you get these little seeds that rot in you and they grow over time and different things grow at different rates. And um, you start to realize that, wow, I remember that incident with that guy and I was a total jerk. And um, even though we're friends right now and nothing happened, I didn't have to say anything. And, you know, I was on the phone with him and I said, you know, I got to tell you back, you know, 
in 2012 when I did this, it still haunts me that I behaved in that fashion and I'm sorry, right? And it just, you knock those little seeds of internal rot away and it just makes you feel better to the point where people will say like, dude, I can't even believe you're thinking about that. I totally forgot about that. Well, you might've, but I didn't. Right. So initially, you know, when you go down the bad road that I do, what's easy is your direct family to make amends with, um, people. Well, this like one's that. about just making the list first, right? And step nine is where we're going to make amends. Uh, but you right now we're just making the list, right? We don't want to care everybody off about what they have to do next. Like, uh that's fine uh but you can uh, talk about that but uh yeah like was like well, well we'll cover it in a little bit because there's you know we've talked about this when we started making amends um there's some people that we have to make a walking amends to right we never directly right. make an amends to there's some people we write a letter and that's sufficient so there's some people who passed away before we can make an amends so there's a lot of those things that are there that are part of this. Um, but the first step is just acknowledging that like, oh, hey, there's this thing, right? It's like that. This is the step that we do. Like when we wake up in the middle of the night from a dark sleep and remember something we did to somebody yeah. else and we can't get back to sleep, right? This is like the step that gets us back to sleep, right? We don't have to right. make an amends to that person right in that second, but we can write it down so we can make a thorough amends without harming them uh later right so yeah um my fault i jumped right i jumped right in yeah yeah because <laughs> that's what that, that's what we remember right we remember the pain of having to admit we've done something wrong to somebody else directly yep. to them um that's what sticks out in our head um but this portion is just about getting it down on paper uh, so that uh, we can start loosening those up and then we can go through and make a thorough amends and Dell's an overachiever as always. Yes. Right. <laughs> I think, um, I think the, you mentioned amends and it hit that emotional portion of my book yeah. of me. And I just was like, yeah. Yeah. So as far as the list, um, I think the immediate list was easier. And then once you reflect, it begins to grow. So it was a moving, it was a moving yeah. target, moving list yeah, for, for me. Sure. For sure. Um, my remembrance of doing it is like it started to light my load significantly as I made a thorough list of people that I needed to get to. It was like, okay, they're down. I'll get to them. I'll make an amends to them and I can do that. So um, I'm not sure you've had much experience in making the list, Logan, but I'd like to hear your perspective on your thoughts on it. So. No, I, I mean, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't gone through this, that, that specific process, but I mean, I, I do, you know, just from an outside perspective, there's the, the, um, that's just a, a process that I think every, every believer at some point has to go through where they have to admit to themselves that, um, that they, that they have stuff inside of them that is not, it's not helpful. That's, that's kind of ugly. Um, and you know, that, I think that's in the, in the path to salvation, there's always the, the, the step where you have to admit that you need a savior. Um, and so I think I, I connect with that from that perspective, which is that there are many, many times where I've had to admit, admit in some way that I needed, you know, I need a savior and I have that there's things that I've done that are wrong or 
morally bankrupt or, you know, et cetera. And that no matter what I do, like there's always going to be people that I've hurt or things that I've done that have missed the mark. So I think as a believer, there's, there's definitely that connection with the idea of sin and that we always, there's always that thing that we're battling with. So I think that's kind of what I come back to. So, yeah. Um, though, so, uh, for me, this step, you know, like foreshadowing where we're going to be at, like, so, um, having never done this work before going through making the thorough list so we can get it all down from our past gives us freedom from our past. And then we'll get to step 10, uh, in a couple months where it's like the daily going through it, right. Of, of doing the daily things so we can keep our slate clean continuously rather than having to go back and through and do a whole another set of 12 steps all over again because we didn't do anything for five years right um but yeah so uh, they're all three intimately tied together right steps eight nine and ten because they're they're action steps that, that we continuously end up doing um but this one gives us the opportunity to remember that thing we did when we were like eight or 16 that we just can't get over and so we can figure out what that is you know some of those people will never see again right so um some of those people will stumble across in some social media and we can reach out to them and make an amends for how we acted in previous times so um yeah that's kind of how it goes right so um the big part of the list for me is not everybody that's going on this list is somebody you're going to end up needing to make an amends to. Um, I had several things I wrote down on my list that my sponsor was like, well, really, you didn't have that right, right? Like, no, you don't need to go out and make an amends to this person because um, this, right? We went back through the event and was like, oh, and you really don't have any, you don't have any really thing in there, right? So, um, you know, uh, like for instance, right? Like, um, I wanted to make an amends to my brother for not protecting him from our dad when he was violent. Um, but that wasn't my responsibility, right? Like I wasn't the one who initiated the harm that came. Like my dad was the one who did that, not me. Um, so trying to make an amends in that situation, um, a it would have like that that like make an amends when that doesn't have um, as long as it doesn't harm the other person, it would have harmed him because I was like taking responsibility for something that wasn't mine uh, to do that right. So having the list to be able to go through with your sponsor about like who you should like what type of amends should you do for each one of those things is hyper important. So. That's the list to be able to figure out what what to do with each one, or if you've gotten one entirely wrong, where um, your responsibility isn't correct in the way you've asserted it. Well, that's a really important thing to get to. So having it written down produces that type of stuff in there. So, yeah, I can reveal. I guess yeah, it could reveal that even sometimes when you have. Yeah, when you have something that you're you have some wrong thinking or something like that, the, the ability to write it down and see you could actually review it with somebody. Whereas if it's just in your head, 
yeah <laughs> or you know or yeah. something like that some list like that it's you know pretty t- pretty hard to have somebody else kind of check your work it's funny yeah. that you say that that you say that in your head versus i'm staring todd i'm staring at the list that you and i made at that park that i will never forget yeah. as we were going through the list yeah and um there's just something really i don't know it just changes everything when it's all written down on a list at least it did for me mm-hmm. so um i want to read something that i read way back at the beginning of uh the this conversation we're having here around recovery and walking with god and it's actually from the big book of aa and it is actually the step eight promises of what happens when we thoroughly do the work in step eight um and it's this uh, if you're painstaking about this phase of development we'll be amazed before we are halfway through we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness We'll not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We'll comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They always materialize if we work for them. And that's from the big book of AA, page 83 and 84. So, um, I love that for this work, right? Like, Like, hey, this is this is really hard. Even just having it written down of what you done wrong to somebody else that you need to fix. It's really hard to do. It's just there, right? That, that burden is just there. Um, but it's better than the alternative of waking up at three o'clock in the morning uh, from a dream of something that you did in the past and like not being able to sleep again. Right. Uh, and just being a wreck for days because of it, right? Or having your memory come back and just be a wreck because of it. So, um, so that that's why this is there. So, um, so the types of things that you're going to do, it's just very similar to your four step. You know, write down like have it in columns. Uh, write down the person, what their relationship is to you your wrongdoing effects on others and the effects it had on you. Um, So that's kind of the columns there, but there's like three really large overarching um, sections to cover. Um, So those are material wrongs, moral wrongs and spiritual wrongs. So um, we'll discuss material wrongs and see how long it takes us to get through that. And then if we need to have another episode to get through uh, the other ones, we will do that. So um, I don't know. I guess I didn't give you guys a chance to reflect on the uh, promises again, if you had anything reflected on that one before I jump into how to go about doing the step eight. Nope. Okay. Good. All right. 
Um, so material wrongs. So these are actions that affected an individual in a, a tangible way. Now, you borrowed money from a relative and never paid them back. Um, you know, um, take those things. Uh, withholding money from somebody. Um, uh, like entering into an agreement that's legally enforceable and refusing to abide by the terms. Uh, injuring others or demanding persons or, or property because of our actions. Like, it's all like the material things that are the scummy things we did to be able to get our drug of choice, right? So, um, you know, uh, a lot of these, man, like that I've done, right? Like, bending in an attempt to get love or um all just the fractured ways that you've done stuff right so i remember buying tons of drinks at the bar right just because like those are my friends right even though they were like you know we weren't really friends we we're just people i hung out at a bar together once i stopped going to that bar they weren't around anymore right um uh, uh i'll let you guys uh, talk a little bit on the material wrongs and we can come back and I can think of some more that I can think of. So. Yeah, I think um, you kind of nailed my material wrong there. I, I didn't have a bunch, right? More mostly moral and spirituality issues with me. Um, but you're, you're right where um, just my personality at the bar or the fact that I did have means to, um, you know, buy rounds, come on, stay later. You know, the night never ended to me. And, and you and I have talked about how um, I've put people in positions to um, behave differently, maybe get in trouble with their spouses, maybe that. And, and that's what just haunts me. And still, right, that I behaved that way, created different behaviors in people with my means and personality and just trying to always be the funniest guy at the bar, which drew people to stay with me till two in the morning. And that, that just burns me still. Um, just looking up back at the way that I behaved. That's the real material wrongdoing that I feel. Yeah. Uh, mine was mostly centered around my behavior. Um, so it would be, um, encouraging people to drink with me, you know, so I wasn't doing it alone. And if, uh, you know, a, three or four other people were drinking to excess at the same time, then no, my excess was a no big deal. Um, so there's a lot of that that I did. Um, um, you know, a lot of stuff was also around and like me trying to get love and affection from people. And so, um, almost all my relationships were highly broken. Even my wife's was really broken initially with my wife. So, um, cause I was always trying to do that. So my primary way and a tangible thing I did there was I entered into agreements with no intention of ever honoring the agreement. So I did that with my wife all the time, especially I did it with all my relationships where I said, yeah, sure. I'll do that. And never did it. Um, I did that continuously. That was my 
such a huge thing for me to stop doing. Um, I didn't like making amends for like doing it. Like once I became aware I was doing it was that. So I did that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So uh, any reflections there, Logan, for yourself? I mean, besides just the fact that, uh, I mean, the, that the, our, uh, our sin is never, never victimless. I was talking to somebody about this the, the other day. We're, we're, we're in a church. We're in Romans and Romans six, uh, stirred up some controversy uh, amongst even some of the, uh, eldership team, you know, about the, um, you know, dying to the, dying to our sin nature and still having our flesh and, and what that means and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's an interesting thing, you know, that I reflect on this just from the perspective of we, um, you know, like when we, when we come to, when we come to Christ, we're forgiven. And so there's like, you're not really are, we're not charged. The things that we do are not charged against us anymore. And so, you know, it's so, from a technical perspective, it's like, well, the things that I do that are wrong are no longer going to keep me out of relationship with the Lord or, um, you know, break that relationship. So do they really have a negative effect? And, you know, that's a very selfish way of looking at things because, you know, or even just that idea that, well, I'm going to be sanctified. So I'm going to continue to improve, or I'm going to continue to become more and more like Christ. It's like, well, but why, you know, my future is secure where I'm going is secure as long as, and it's like, well, it's for the benefit of others, you know, like the things that we do, the sanctification that I allowed to happen in my life when I become more and more like Christ has a huge benefit on my family, the people around me, my coworkers, the world that I live in. And so um, I think that part of that, you know, there's just so many parallels between, I think, maturing as a believer and working the steps so that, you mm -hmm. know, I, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that is a you know, coincidence by any matter, but that idea of forcing our gaze beyond ourself to the people around us to find out and to, to really own the fact that our actions actually have consequences way beyond what we, you know, what we're normally is right in front of our face. Mm -hmm. And so I think as, you know, as I'm kind of the, the passenger along with people who are, you know, talking about their, their, their process, it just, it causes me to do some reflection, but then it also is like, this is a, this is a great, discipline for anybody to go through um, who wants to be mm -hmm. sanctified, who wants to become more like Christ, not for their own gain of, you know, their eternal gain, but for the benefit of those people that are around them so that they can, you know, be an encouraging person who brings joy and help and love to the people around them. So, yeah, for me, this is the biggest, the, the material wrongs are the biggest bifurcation between the people I know who just struggle with sin and the people I know who are like full-blown addicts like me, because in my full-blown addiction, I was doing this continuously, right? Where I was committing material wrongs against people in order to get my, like my needs met. Um, when we get to the other two, we'll see that uh, we all do them more and more, right? Like they're like there. So, um, so that gives us a good segue to get to the next one, moral wrongs. Um, so like the material wrongs, everybody like knows they're wrong, and you're like, why would I ever want to be around that person? Like they're really doing some some bad stuff, right? And then the moral wrongs, um, when everybody knows about them, it's like the scarlet letter, but like everybody tries to hide them all the time, right? 
so the moral wrongs are inappropriate behavior or moral or ethical action or conduct, uh, like including questions of rightness, fairness, and equity. Um, so um, like setting bad example for children or friends, involving others in a wrongdoing, uh, being preoccupied with selfish pursuits, um, mind being totally unaware of the needs of others, you know, forgetting birthdays and holidays. Um, then there's all the types of infidelities, sexual infidelity, um, emotional cheating, uh, broken promises, verbal abuse, lack of trust, lying, all that stuff, right? So, um, which is kind of more what I was talking about there, right? So the, yeah, so that's right where we get to all the meat of everything that is like the hard stuff, right? Um, yeah, so those moral wrongs are really hard for us to deal with as individuals and as a community, right? Because it's, it's where all the messes come from, right? It's like, hey, you know, X person, you were verbally abusing your spouse in church, right? Or right after church, we all heard you verbally abuse them and your kids as you're going and leaving, right? Or um, we all know that this happened. Like we heard about it. We heard you yelling and screaming or, you know, your next door neighbor did or whatever, right? Like, um, like for me, these are the ones that pop up way more that people aren't aware of. Um, I've had to more than once in men groups I was in, like tell a person straight up that what they were just saying that they did to their spouse or child was 100% morally wrong and they had to fix it right away. And continuing to do that was like horrible treatment of everybody involved and had no place for a Christ-centered man to be doing, right? Logan's heard me do this before. So it made, it, made, it was it was like it nothing will make you more popular quicker than doing having those conversations, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, like. Um, but yeah, you've been on the other side of that, though. You've you've experienced it. You've experienced yeah. both being the victim of that, but then also knowing what that does to a person if they're perpetrating it. Like, there's mm -hmm. death on both sides of that. There's the there is there's the trauma of that, but there's also what it's like people are stuck in these behaviors and oftentimes because they've had them perpetrated on them in the past. And then like, mm -hmm. it just cre creates more and more death and destruction inside of them as well. It does. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not the most popular person oftentimes because I'm like the, the one that makes everybody feel uncomfortable because they'll be like, Hey, no, there, there needs to be correction here. Right. And, um, you know, and that this, this is what it is. Right. But boy, it's not fun to tell somebody that they're being like really selfish or they're thinking about this in like such a horrible way. Like, what are you doing? Right. Like, no. So, um, I'm sure Dell, well, Dell's been on the receiving end of that for me more than once. So uh, early on in his recovery. So he knows exactly what that is too. So, um, <clears throat> Yeah, this is this is the one, the emotional stuff that just really, it just burns at you, right? So I have been on the receiving end um, of uh, these very tough conversations. I've had to give them to others that have stumbled across me to have these conversations. And it's really hard because you put that <clears throat> friendship quote 
at risk, right? Because it is, I'm reading through some of my amends right now and it just, it brings me back to how completely uncomfortable it is to realize your own flaws and um, it's rewarding to talk about them and overcome them and do your stuff. But yeah, I've been on, on that, on that receiving end and I've been on the delivery end and, um, and it's, um, it's incredibly uncomfortable just reading through some of the stuff right now. is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and this is just the stuff that's just hard to do because it's like, it can be really endemic thinking within our society um, to think selfishly, you know, you know, the show me the money that like that sort of thinking is endemic in our society. And everybody thinks that like, that's the way to be um, to get ahead. But all we are doing is like shortening our lives and killing ourselves when we like live this way. Um, you know, there's no coincidence about heart attacks and, and all these horrible things that happen to people as they get older, because we spend a lifetime of doing all these moral wrongs and it just, you know, tears us up and destroys us physically. So, so that's, that's the second one area. And the third area is spiritual wrongs. They're acts of omission and neglecting our obligations to God, to ourselves, to family, to community. Um, Failure to make a full effort to fulfill an obligation. How's this one? Not showing gratitude towards others who have helped us. Uh, uh, avoiding self-development in areas such as health or education or recreation or creativity. Uh, being inattentive to others in our lives but failing to provide encouragement to them. So, so we went from stuff that like, like the hardcore addicts do, like these material wrongs that most people learn like, Oh no, you never do that. And now we get to the thing that we do like all day long, every day. Right. Like, like it's hard for me to stay thankful and like in gratitude about the things that people are doing for me all the time. Uh, because I'll be thinking about the stuff I'm not getting or how hard of what particular area my life is. And I have to like go back into a gratitude list all the time for me to be okay. Um, so I can live in this. Like I struggle on this one, like all day, every day. I don't know about you guys, but just feeling gratitude for people who've helped me. Just that alone, right there, is like I don't know a huge amount of work for me, moment to moment of every day. Yep, yep. And I think the expression there's the gratitude, and then the expression of gratitude. That's a challenge, right? I sent you guys a picture the other day. And- I just at the end, it was thanks. And I'm, I'm grateful for you guys. Right. And it's really hard. Like I am so grateful for all those that have helped me. Um, it's the bravery of the admission that, you know, I'm not this alpha male that has it all figured out. And I'm here in the moment, enjoying my life because people like you two that are in it, that have helped me that, um, that I can turn to. Right. And so it's, it's, nearly I thought it was almost counterintuitive to wake up every morning and say hey these are the things I've got going for me I'm grateful um I thought it was maybe egotistical or boasting but it's like when you when I wake up and I just stick with my gratitude list 
these little things that happen through the day, they just mean less, right? So um, it just puts everything in perspective. But it is hard to continue to admit to another man that, hey, man, I, I'm so grateful. Um, so I try to work and say that, you know, to you guys and then some other people that have helped me that <clears throat> when I was doing some rehab time that uh, were there for my family and I remind them on the holidays and all that kind of stuff. But it is it's brutal because it brings you back to those lost days and that these people compensated for what I was uh, for my flaws. Yeah. How about you, Logan? Yeah. I I'm, I'm always struck by this because it's like, we, I don't know where it comes from, um, but it's like, we have this, this burning desire to be self-sufficient, you know, mm-hmm. and to not yes. need anybody. Yes. It's just like, to me, um, it's like, it, 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 I don't know, like, where does that come from? Um, because it's like, it's obviously, obviously not correct. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, human beings are designed to be in community with each other, to live together. And people have specific things that are incredibly good about them. But there's all, there's always things that we are good at and there's things that we suck at. And my experience in, you know, limited, I mean, I've only been on this earth for 40 something years is that the best way to, to really make a huge impact is to lean into the place, the things that you are good at. And then to like really rely on others for the areas in which you're not. But we have this counterintuitive routine that runs. That's like, no, I need to be sufficient in all things. Like I need to be the best at whatever. Or I need to be able to do all this stuff. Like I even like, I like think about home improvement, like, oh no, no, no. I, I need to pour my own concrete or do my own electrical or do my own this or whatever. And you're like, no, it's just going to be terrible. Like, why don't you, you know, somebody else is better at that. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, I, I struggle with it too, but I'm like, I always wonder like, man, like why, why hasn't this evolved out of us or something like that? Yeah. Like, why haven't we decided? And I don't know, maybe that's just at the root of, of our sin of, you know, Adam's sin in the garden. Like, no, no, I got this, you know, I don't want to rely on anybody else. I, I want to make my own decisions. Yeah. It's because we yeah. believe we're God. Yeah, that's true. We and, truly yeah. believe we're God and capable of doing all things. That's why we try to do all things. Cause that's the heart of it. Right. That's why I go back to step one all the time because yeah. like, that's what I believe about myself. Right. Is that I believe I'm God and I can capable of doing it all. And I don't need to ask for help because I'm God. Right. I can do it all. Right. I don't actually literally think I'm God in my head, but that's what yeah. I'm doing. That's the but, action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My actions say that's what I believe. So that's kind of what I pay attention to on that one. You're going to say something, Dell? <laughs> no, I just looked at, um, you know, turning to others. It's just a lot of it. I know my seeds because I reflect back of why I'm different now than I used to be. And, you know, um, I need help. is just some of the, it's just the most powerful phrase that, subconsciously hits another human and they're putting a cape on before they even think about it. Because when you say that, they're like, what, what do you need? You know, but I know my spirituality as, as I've grown spiritually, it makes a lot more sense. Right. When you get into that, um, the man that I used to be, Mr. Darwin, atheism and survival of the fittest, I'm the alpha male. I got this. I don't need you. Um, the intimidation that I used to impose on others with glances of the eyes based on doing 
you know, martial arts and all that kind of stuff. But um, as you grow more spiritual and I realize I can't do it by myself and I need others, just it's been a lot easier just to say those words. Hey, man, can you help me out? And subconsciously, before people can even react, their answer is yes. You know, 99% of every human that I've ever been like, hey, man, I need a hand. And I think one of the good things about I've that's changed me from fatherhood is getting my kids to just, hey, dad, can you help me? Hey, can you help me? Um, leaning on others in that communal fashion, just like Logan described. Um, yeah, just, uh, it's there, man. I was like, it is where we live every day, right? So. Um. Cool, man. I, I yeah. think this is just like go ahead, go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say like I think I think for me, like I was in that exact same spot. The, I mean, it's always been the hardest thing ever for me to ask for help from for anybody. And so I think when I when I say that, like, why is this such a problem? It's because of the level of frustration that I have with myself. But yeah, like when I when I. You know, I don't know if I've talked about it yet on the on the podcast, but I I went through it. I had an accident where I broke both my feet, and like, and so I was, you know, I was in a wheelchair, right? So it, you're like, you know, one day I'm like, oh yeah, I'm great. Never broken a bo- bone in my body. Never got a serious injury. And like the next day, I'm in a wheelchair for like three months, you know, waiting for my feet to 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 uh, to heal. And at that point, like, you have to ask for help. Like I had like one of my best friends. I had to. When I, when I first got to my house, he had to help me get out of my wheelchair onto the toilet, right? So I could go to the bathroom. And it's like, he, like it went from this position of being like pretty much self-sufficient most of the time to being like a helpless little baby. And it was, the, it was by far, hands down, the hardest thing, like from an emotional perspective, that, that huge shift very quickly was like one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with. But it did like, it did... I had to start asking for help. And then I just started seeing like the blessing that it was for some people to help me. Like, and I know it's just, it's, it's logical. Like I love helping people. Yeah. I love, I love to be of help. And it's like, but then like, we just don't, we don't realize it's like, it's like, we we go, Oh yeah, well that's me, but I don't want somebody else to have to do that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. It's a huge blessing for me to be able to help my friends or my community members. Like, you know, it's not something that I do because, you know, it's like, I, I feel good. Like, I feel good about yes. myself. I feel good about using my skills to, to you know, help somebody. And it's like, how, how do I not project that onto other people and realize that there are others out there who are blessed when I have a need and I ask for help? Um, yep. So that's the part that I think just drives me crazy. But because I was only because I was forced into that situation, did I ever learn that? So, Yeah. It's, it's the most helping others is the most fulfilling aspect of my life. Yet, why do I deprive others from that feeling I cherish by not asking them for help, right? And um, it, it, it's really hard to understand, you know, so interesting. Well, I think this is probably a good place to... Uh into today's um next week uh we'll go ahead and talk about the forgiveness side of this and we can go through that portion of it um 
for a question this week um uh, will be when will you start creating your list that's the one to answer for yourself when am i going to start this um and then we'll we'll go to the 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 subtleties of the forgiveness side uh next week and i'll share my stories around that i've probably shared them before but i'll talk about them because they're such a impactful part of my life um would either one of you gentlemen like to pray us out today you know, I'm always going to say yes after All I, right. give, I give Dell two seconds to decide whether or not he wants to or not. Yes. <laughs> you That's guys right. are just much better. No, 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 no. All right. Lord, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for the, um, the community that you've uh, put us in. Thank you for this community right here. What an encouragement it's been to me in my life. But I just pray that these words would find somebody who needs to hear them. Um, they would be encouraged to, um, to really uh, continue to work the process, work the steps, and um, you know, trans, trans with your assistance, transform their life um, for the for their own benefit, but for the also for the benefit of those around them. Amen. Amen. Amen.